I'm very pleased to introduce Dave Ansel and his presentation, Making Light. So please welcome Dave. Savannah and it got dark. I'll start again. So a couple of million years ago, if you were a pre-human hominid living in the savannah and it got really dark in the evening, there was nothing you could do about it. Um, and then someone came up with a wonderful invention, which, with any luck, I can replicate here, called fire. And all of a sudden, even in the middle of the darkest night, you had some light, which was great for scaring away animals and all sorts of things. But as a form of light, this isn't really ideal. It produces light, but what else would you want from a source of light if you were, uh, if, in, 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 every day? Shout out, any ideas? What, what's wrong with this as a source of light? It's dangerous. It's dangerous. That's really not good. You don't want to set for light to your house? It's going out. You can already see it's starting to run out of fuel. Any other thoughts? You, it's not very portable. <laughs> so over the years, humans... Actually, we have the light up, lights up a bit now. Humans have started to improve their sources of light. Now... So some were saying that one big problem with this is it doesn't burn for very long. Now, if, I don't know how many of you have played with fires at home uh, in your spare time. <laughs> Maybe a thing you do. It's certainly a thing I did at your, some of your age. Um, what, how, if you want to make your fire burn for a long time, what can you use instead of little sticks like this? Huge sticks or coal. Huge sticks or coal. So basically, if instead of having little tiny sticks you basically have a bigger stick. The, idea, um, the fire can only burn on the surface at any one time, so it takes much longer to burn out. The problem is that with a big stick, it's actually very, very hard to light it. And to get a self-sustaining fire, you actually need a much bigger fire. And that produces... A pr another problem which someone else suggested is it's not very portable. So this size of fire is not very portable. If you have a fire made out of big logs, is that going to be better or worse? It will look, burn for longer, so it's better, but is it going to be as portable? It's going to be harder to carry around. If you've got a great big fire like this, you're carrying it around, it's not going to be very easy. So what we want to do is create quite a small fire which burns for a long time. In some ways, using big logs, you're making it burn for longer by stopping the oxygen getting to all the fuel at the same time. So to make a fire, you need oxygen, you need heat, and you need some fuel. And using big logs, you're slowing the oxygen down, getting into the fuel, so it slows down the burning, so it'll burn for a long time. The problem is, if you're with the really big logs burning very slowly, you tend to get I tend to get a big fire which isn't very hot and that doesn't produce very much light. So what you want to do is control something else. And I think even about 10 or 15,000 years ago, people worked out a way around this and it involved string. String is very important for this. Now, string will burn. You can set fire to it. And string will burn. 
but it's still burning, burning away very quickly. That's not solving our problem. But what they combine the string with is some kind of oil. So I've got some oil in here, which you won't be able to see. Oh, you can just about see. Brilliant. And oil on its own isn't very flammable. I can put the blowtorch on it if I don't. It doesn't burn. It will burn if you get it really, really hot, but that then doesn't produce a nice small fire. It produces a great big scary fire you want to be running away from rather than lighting your house with. But if you put some string in the oil and get it nice and oily and then dip it out the side, what happens is the oil is pulled up the string by surface tension um, the force which lets um, water skaters float around on the top of water. And if you have a slightly smaller wick than that, you can get a really, really small, uh, the string is called a wick, and you get a really, really small controlled fire. I don't know how much you can see of that, but the string is hardly burning down at all. It is burning a little bit, but most of what's burning is the oil. Um, and this was a re really important form of lighting. The Romans used it. Um, in fact, it's still being used today. This is, a oil, this is an oil lamp which someone bought in Kenya only a few years ago. And so that will sit and light your house for a very long time. There is a slight problem with oil lamps, um, which people discovered, which is that the wick, although it doesn't burn very quickly, most of what's burning is the oil, some of what uh, of the wick does slowly burn down, and that's annoying because you have to keep get, getting down, getting into your wick, and you have to kind of get some tweezers out and pull your wick up a little bit to stop it burning out. You see that one's actually fallen down. Oh, just stop before it felt, before it went out. I managed to lift that up. You have to keep pulling the wick out, so that's kind of annoying, and it kind of gets in the way of reading a good book in the evening. So um, probably about three thousand years ago, someone came up with another stra another strategy for making uh, basically something very, very similar to an oil lamp. And these you're probably familiar with. Um, it's called a candle. So a candle is basically an oil lamp made with wax. And the really neat thing is that the wax, it starts off solid, so it's easy to transport, and it doesn't get, isn't messy. Um, and then when it gets a bit warm, it melts, and you get a little tiny pool of molten wax, which behaves just like an oil lamp. Um, and then that gets pulled up the wick and evaporates and burns um, in a nice, very small, very controlled fire. Um, and candles are very... And the other really cute thing about candles is that as the fuel gets used up, the level of the wax goes down, which means you expose more wick so you don't have to keep pulling out the wick. So that was a major advance in lighting technology about 3,000 years ago. Um, and they were candles, you still use them every day now, but they were being used as the ma major form of lighting even 130 years ago. Um, but there are still problems with a candle. Um, you've still got to come and get, bring your, um, you've got to keep bringing more candles into the house all the time. Um, and so some people worked out what, what other things which burns, which you can pipe into your house, is gas. So this has actually got a, a can of gas, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I remember what I'm doing, honest. Um, and so here you can light 
some gas which is coming out of this cylinder, but you can also pipe it into people's houses. And you can pipe this gas around a town and you can light it and you get a nice flame which will sit there burning all night if you like and no one has to go back to go and um, fix it. So one which is great. Um, yeah, okay. And the reason why um, all of these things so far have been burning, I've been talking about they're burning gas, not solids. Um, actually, oh, I can't see it. I missed this out earlier. It's really cool. I'm going to do it anyway. Because um, <laughs> this is the first. Anyway, so. Um, we were talking about earlier that big logs burn really slowly. Small logs burn a bit faster. How could we speed up? If you want to burn something really, really quickly, what should you do? Big logs are really slow. Small logs are quick. What would be quicker than that? Powder. Something really, really small. Sawdust, yep, sawdust sounds good. Something even finer than sawdust is custard powder. So if I put some of that on there and set fire to it, should that work? Yes, maybe they should burst into... No. So what, do we, what did we need to make a good fire? So to make things burn, we needed heat, we've got heat, fuel, Oxygen. Can the oxygen get to all of those little tiny particles at once? So I have a strategy for doing that. And Rosie has a way of stopping making a horrible mess. <laughs> okay. Um, how are we going to... Right, full long length if you can. Okay, so if I blow this custard powder up through this flame, should mix in some oxygen quite well. <laughs> okay, and that's one of the reasons why gas is a really good thing to burn, because gas is individual molecules. The particles are so small, they're individual molecules of, in this case, propane, um, or if it's coming in through your house, methane. So gas burns very efficiently. Um, but at the moment, did we have a... Yes. This will work. So this is burning with a very, very yellow flame. It's quite cold. If you can see on this... Can you see there's some soot building up on there? So that's some of the carbon in there which isn't burning. So this is probably not a particularly efficient form of light it, of, of burning because not all of the fuel is getting burnt. Some of that's being released as smoke, which actually isn't very good for you. So that's not ideal. Um, it, as a form of lighting, it's probably about 0.03% efficient. Um, so, so it's not so only about... One, three, three or four parts in every 10,000 of the energy going in there are coming out as light, and similarly with a candle. So as a form of lighting, it's really, really inefficient, but it was a big improvement over candles. Um, so how could we burn more of the fuel in here, do you think? If it's not all the fuel's burning, what, what are we not getting enough in, in there to completely burn it? Oxygen. 
We can add more oxygen and make the burning much more efficient by letting some air in the bottom. Has that made it a better form of light? Can we have the lights down a bit? So it's burning much more efficiently, but for some reason it's not making any light. And in fact, the soot is very important for making light. I can get a little piece of graphite, which is carbon in the same way as soot, and I can break it. And I can get another little piece of graphite, little piece of carbon, and put that in the flame. And can you see that above the both the little piece of carbon is glowing quite well, and above it you can see there's some carbon being released, which is actually producing this nice yellow flame. So it's actually not the, um, the flame itself which is producing the light, it's actually the little lumps of carbon in it. And during the 19th century, people started wondering whether there were better things they could put in a flame to make light. Um, and... They, one of the things they used was um, calcium oxide or lime, which is where you get the name limelight. And this is an improvement on that. I think this is a blowtorch. Because I don't, haven't got the angles with that. And if I heat up this stuff, which is a, basically very like the lime, and you may have heard the term limelight, the people being in the limelight. It's because they used to heat up lime very, very hot and it produced lots of light. This is a more sophisticated version of that, and that actually produces quite a lot of light. And with a bit, bit slightly better engineering, engineers are wonderful people, you can produce a little gas light, possibly, which actually produces quite a nice light. Um, this is probably about 10 times more efficient than a candle. It's about 0.3% efficient. So three parts in every thousand um, of the energy going in are coming out as light, which is a huge improvement, but still not very good. Um, so again, in the 19th century, people were looking at different things, and they started to investigate electricity. And they just, um, for this, I think I need a volunteer. Um, oh, go on, because you're close, you're the great top. What's your name? Lily. Lily. Okay, can you come and stand here? Okay. So, what I've got here, actually, can turn the lights up now for the, quickly. There's a coil of wire here. Stand just back a bit so everyone can see. And what I want you to do is hold your hand over the top and tell me if you, shout out loudly if you feel anything going on. If you feel anything, which was voltage, which was voltage. Hang on. How is that limiting? Ah, that's better. Okay. Yeah, I'm on. You can feel it heating up. And I think the people out there, you can actually start to see that it's starting to glow. Thank you very much, Lily. So by putting electricity through a wire, you can make it hot enough to glow. It's still not a very good form of lighting. Um, if I turn the power down a bit, 
it starts to get glow less. And then if I turn it back up again, it starts to glow more. So you'd have thought that maybe an idea would be to try and get, some, get more power into something a little bit hotter. So I can one of the so I can do the same thing. We were trying the graphite uh, little piece of carbon, the graphite over there, and I can do the same thing. I can heat up a piece of graphite by putting electricity through it again. Make sure we turn this down to start with. Tangling cables is always fun. Right. We have power. Oh. So you can see so we're getting a quite nicely glowing piece of um, graphite there. And if you have to turn the lights right down, it's actually starting to glow really quite well. until something happens. <laughs> and now I've got little pictures of glowing graphite on my eyes. I've got the lights back up. So, something which, so a problem there, I don't know if some of you at the front notice little wisps of smoke coming out. Um, graphite's a form of carbon, and if carbon gets really hot in air, what happens to it? Burns. So the problem is that my nice light source is burning away in the air, and this time we don't want it to burn. We want it to last a very long time. So one way round of this, do we have the filament for this? Ah, oh, wonderful. So another material which has a very, very, very high melting point and is easier to draw it into, you see, so when that was getting really, really bright, it was when it's getting very, very thin just before it burnt out. So here I've got a very, very thin wire made out of a material called tungsten, which has one of the highest melting points of any material known, certainly any metal known. And we can put electricity through this. Hopefully. If it's turned on... There's no on switch there. Or not. Ah, oh. turns out if you turn it on at the mains, it might work better. Oh, so again, we got a very nice bright light, but not for very long. So you also saw the smoke coming up. So that, again, um, we've got some metal. And metal actually will burn if you get it hot enough. Even tungsten will burn if you get it hot enough. Um, we've got metal with lots of oxygen around it. It's really, really hot, probably about 2,000 degrees centigrade. At that temperature, it will burn happily. So how could we still keep it hot and stop it burning? What could we take away? Take away the oxygen. We can't take away the metal, because we can't take away the fuel, because that's the metal in the wire. Um, we can't take away the heat, otherwise it wouldn't be hot and it wouldn't glow. So we can take away the oxygen. And engineers have done a lovely job of that. Um, 
And what they've done is they've taken a very, very thin glass bulb around the outside. And we've got the big ones, which we can actually see this on. Um, we'll be able to show you this later better. But we've got a glow, and inside that, there's the same very, very thin tungsten wire, which is wound round and round and round. Um, maybe. Um, and if you put electricity into that, you have a nice version. <laughs> so you can, some of you might be able to see there's still that very, very fine wire in there. We put that in here, and we turn up the power, you get a light bulb, which the older members of you may recognize. What's kind of scary is that the younger members of you probably don't know that as a light bulb, which makes me feel very old. <laughs> um, and if we turn the power, so if the power's low, it's only just starting glowing, it's slightly yellowy orangey. As it gets hotter and hotter and hotter, the color gets whiter and whiter and whiter until you get actually really quite a bright light, light source, which maybe I'll turn down a bit because the people at the front are suffering. Um, cool. Now, with any luck, this device here, which is not very well tested and we don't have a long enough cable. <laughs> we, can, we can move that over here. Wonderful. Nothing like preparation. Well, there's been a lot of preparation. It's just not enough. Okay. So, ah, yes. So, this device here is basically, so, you've all seen a rainbow, yes? Um, have you heard of a thing called a spectrum? So the, uh, all the, so the light, white light is made of lots of different colors. And sometimes you can see they split out in a rainbow. And if you do that in a slightly more scientific way, we call it a spectrum. And this device is a way of showing you the spectrum of the light. And so if, you, if we start off when it's really, really dim, you can see there's really lots and lots of red light and not very much of the other colors. Bright, which means my device isn't so if I turn up the power, however, you can see it starts you're getting more and more green light, and eventually when it's really, really bright, you actually even get some blue light. So the hotter it's getting, the bluer, the whiter the light is because there's more and more blue light mixed in there. Okay. Um, so these light bulbs um, are maybe two or three percent efficient. So two or three parts and every 100 of the energy you're putting in are coming out as light. And the problem with them is especially when they're turned down. So can we go back to this? Where are we? Have I broken it? Oh, no, here we are. So can you see beyond the red end, there's what looks like pink? That's actually a color of light which your eyes can't see. It's called infrared. Um, and it's completely invisible, and most of the energy coming out of these light bulbs, even, um, especially when they're quite dim like this, is in this colour called infrared, which you can't see. Is there any point in a light bulb which makes invisible light? It doesn't stop you falling down the stairs, it will help you read a book, it's basically useless. 
So basically, that's why they weigh so much energy. They're making an invisible light. Um, you can't see it, but you can feel it. I'll get rid of that one. So what I've got here is um, a big curved mirror and some wire in the middle. And the big mirror, I don't know if you've seen like the reflectors behind torches, which make the light bounce off into a kind of beam. Yeah? So this is basically just a big reflector off a torch. What, I can't, what I'm going to do is not make, make I'm going to heat up this um, wire here. So it gets pretty hot, but not hot enough to make a lot of light. But when I point it out, you might be able to feel something. If you feel something, put your hands up, okay? Can you feel that? What are you feeling? Heat. So the way you can detect this invisible infrared light is as it heats you up and you can feel the heat. And so this is sort of a light source, but it's a really rubbish one. But I don't know whether the people right down at the back, if I get this pointing in the right direction, can feel some of that. Yeah, even right the way back there, you can feel it. So this is behaving just like light. It's traveling in a straight line. It's being focused by a mirror. Um, but you can't really, you can see a little bit of light, but most of what you're feeling is this invisible infrared light. So that's what we don't want in our light sources because it's basically a complete waste of energy. But it's quite a cool demo. So actually, even before people were playing with the hot wires, the incandescent light bulbs, um, they started playing with another way of making light. Uh, the first person to do this was a guy called Humphrey Davy, who was he's a very um, famous chemist. Um, and what he did was he um, got a very, very high voltage supply. Uh, I've got one here. It's about 10,000 volts. And he applied it across a little bit of air, which I can do here. Can I light down again? He was using a couple of carbon rods. I'm using two metal, two steel rods. But what am I creating here? Energy. I'm using lots of energy, and the electricity is jumping through the air. Do you know what we call that? Spark. And it's producing a little bit of light, isn't it? If you use a much higher current in a much smaller space, you get a really, really, really bright light, really actually scarily bright light. Um, they used to use these for searchlights to try and find planes. You have two big, basically two carbons, two, two carbon rods, basically two cores of pencils, apply a huge voltage and a huge current between them, and they produce this incredibly bright spark in the middle, which I didn't want to do because it's actually quite dangerous. Um, they also used them for um, lighting um, when it, um, for lighting in films. And there's quite a lot of another kind of invisible light called ultraviolet light, which gives you a sunburn. And they actually had problems with the actors getting sun, sort of sunburnt, even worse sunburnt to the backs of their eyes. Uh, and one of the reasons why sunglasses suddenly became fashionable in the 1920s and 1930s 
was that, the, um, was that all these actors had horribly sunburnt backs of their eyes, and so they'd put sunglasses on when they went outside, because it was painful. Um, which is a nice story I only just recently learned. Okay, so if you're just producing a really bright, bright spark like this, you end up with a light bulb which is um, one or two percent efficient, which was much better than candles. Um, and, it was the, and it was the only really, really bright light source um, which, you could, which were, existed um, until quite recently. Um, but you can actually make a much more practical form of lighting using the same idea. I will just unplug this because it's 10,000 volts and it will kill me. Um, if instead of putting a spark through air, you put a spark through a low pressure gas, something rather beautiful can happen. So this is a long, thin glass tube which is filled with a gas called argon. And if we apply 10,000 volts to that, and get the lights down. You get quite a nice, very, very efficient, a very, very nice um, kind of purple light. So what's happening is we're applying this huge voltage, which means that electrons are trying to get from one end to the other and they're flying through this gas, and they behave a bit like a pinball machine, a pinball, a ball in a pinball machine. So they fly around, bounce off all the other atoms. When they bounce into the atoms, they give them some energy, and that energy is then, they, 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 these atoms give that energy off as light. And there's something quite strange about the way the light which comes out of these. Have the lights down again. If you have a look at that, rather, do you remember the previous spectrum I showed you, which is all smooth? This one's kind of spiky. There's a whole series of lines on it. And if I spent more time getting this to work, they would be a lot sharper than that. Um, and so you see a series of lines. And those lines change if you change the gas which you're putting the spark through. So that was argon. We can do the same thing with a gas called neon. produces a really, really bright red color. And you can see it's producing, it's, again, it's in these stripy lines, which is kind of hard, quite hard to see because it's a bit out of focus because I haven't focused it very well. Um, and the advantage of these kind of lights is if you pick the right gas, which doesn't emit any light in, um, in, in the invisible colors, so it just happens not to emit very well in the infrared light, you can get an incredibly efficient lighting system. These are pretty good. But the one which is incredibly good is a chemical called sodium, which some of you may have heard of. Um, it's made up of, it's made, it makes up quite a lot of common table salt. And it's also a kind of a metal. But if you get it really hot, if you get it to evaporate and turn it into a gas and put a spark through it, you get this incredibly bright orange light. Can you hold that down? Yeah, brilliant, thank you. But there is something slightly odd about this light. So it's really bright. This is actually an incredibly efficient light source. About 30% of the energy going into it is coming out as light. So it's actually, even today, one of the most efficient forms of lighting. 
But there's something odd about it. So what color would you say this shirt was? Sort of grayish? Whitey black? Can you turn the lights up? So even... The lights back down again. So there's something odd. Do you, if we look at the spectrum of this, there's a, a couple of other small lines, but the basic there's one incredibly strong orange line. It, actually, if you look at it in great detail and you're a spectroscopist, um, there's actually two lines very close together there. Um, but there's basically, it's actually only giving out one color of orange light, and it's a color which your eyes are really sensitive to, so it's a very, very efficient form of lighting. But can you imagine using this at home and trying to do painting? <laughs> Might be some issues. Because <laughs> you just can't tell what color anything is. Um, all you can see is whether it's orange or not orange, whether it reflects orange or not orange. If you're in white light, which has all the colors of the rainbow in it, um, the white light comes down, hits the blue, bounces off, and you see blue, hits the red, bounces off, hits the red, hits the green, bounces off, you see green. If all you've got is orange, then all you can see is orange or not orange. So it's a beautifully efficient form of lighting. That doesn't mean it's that good a form of lighting. Um, but engineers, being wonderful people, um, have worked on to improve this. So the... F Actually, can you guys turn that on? Um, because I don't want to be immediately in front of it. So, actually, can you wait, just point it quick so people can see it? So, can we turn the lights right down? So, bizarrely, um, to do this, you actually start off with a color of light which you can't see. And this is a tube, inside there, there's a tube with some mercury vapor in it, putting a spark through it, and you're getting this kind of purple, you can just about see some purpley colored light. But the interesting thing is there's also another color of light in there which is invisible until it, until it hits certain kind of um, substances. <laughs> and it can make some certain substances glow, um, which is what we call fluorescence. And it's... <laughs> you may have... Um, seen these in, uh, if you've ever gone playing Laser Quest, sometimes they have these weird purple lights which make things glow, makes paper glow really brightly. Uh, I think the person I've, I, I saw noticed your top, the kind of bright orange top over there, starting to glow maybe a little bit, maybe, maybe not so much. Um, but in fact, some of the more recent, more efficient forms of lighting work on this principle. So these compact fluorescent light bulbs, which you, probably, you may well have at home, Inside these, you've got one of these tubes, a bit neater and a bit smaller, and on the outside of it, they've painted it with these fluorescent substances, and these, the fluorescent substances um, give out a much more white, a much whiter colour. Um, and I don't know if we can point the spectro, we can reach the spectroscope to it, because this might be asking a bit much of the cables. Oh yeah, so you're, it's still kind of a it's still got the sharp lines, but it's hard to see. But actually, in the, around the yellow colours, there's also a kind of much more, much broader spectrum, which is kind of which makes it much whiter than it would be otherwise, and much more efficient. So, 
that's kind of was the state of the art of um, lighting technology when I was um, coming to university about 20 years ago. Um, but since then, things have moved on slightly. And something called the LED was invented. These actually were invented quite a long time ago. Um, for a very long time, they were just the little tiny spots. In fact, can I just borrow that red thing which is glowing there? Thank you. I think you were making, this, making something out of this earlier. Thank you. So, they're, so they're, they're very often these little tiny colored lights like this. Um, and when I, maybe tw 20 years ago, 25 years ago, this is what an LED was, and that's what I remember. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and they can come in lots of different colors. And what I've got here is a whole series of different types of LEDs coming up like this. Now, they are made of a very carefully engineered um, solid material, a kind of semiconductor. And you put electricity through it, and slowly, we, uh, let's come up. this is a bit faster. So, going up, so I'm slowly turning up the voltage on these LEDs. And if I turn it on, which I hadn't, you start to get light. I'll just turn it back down a bit. And they, um, yes. And you can do some really interesting, really fundamental physics with LEDs. Um, because there are lots of different colors, and to make each color use a slightly different material. Um, but the different colors have got different properties. As you turn up the voltage, the first ones to turn on are the red ones. So now about eight volts. Uh, and then the kind of orangey ones come on at about nine volts. And just starting to come on the yellow and greens up at nine or 10 volts. And then all the way up at 11, 12, the green starts to come on. And even higher than that, 12 or 13, um, the blues are coming on. And right the way up, really high, these violet LEDs right at the top come on. And this is because, um, this is what a guy called Einstein, he may have heard of, um, worked out that light, doesn't, light comes in little tiny packets and different colors of light have different energies. And the blues and the purples have got more energy than the reds, so you need more voltage. So each electron going through the uh, LED needs more energy to give off light. So the pur pur so, pur so really um, high, so high energies, you get the blue and purples, and low energies, you get the reds. And that is why um, earlier we were looking at the spectrum from a hot wire. As it was getting hotter, hotter and hotter and hotter, you got more and more of the blue colors because the blue, bluer colors are a higher energy, so you need, they need to be hotter to be able to produce them. Okay. Um, but LEDs are kind of intrinsically single colors. Each LED is only one color. So none of those are white, are they? And you can't make a single LED which is white. Um, and again, if you, again, we saw that lighting things is one color, like with the um, street, the sodium light before. 
isn't a very good idea. You, your, paint is, your paintings are rubbish. Um, so one way of getting a nice multicolored, um, to get a nice white light is by adding together, by putting multiple different LEDs in one container. So we maybe we can, if we actually turn it on, uh, um, hang on. So we can put a red LED, a green LED, and a blue LED all in the same package. And if you turn them all on at the same time, you get kind of a reasonable white. Um, and LEDs are very, very efficient. Um, they can actually be up to 40 or 50% efficient. So certainly 40% efficient. So they're a really good idea and they save energy and that is good. And the problem with putting three different color LEDs in one light bulb is it's expensive. You need three times as many LEDs. You, need, yeah, you can actually see the fact that they're slightly different, they're in slightly different places and you see different colors on the ceiling. Um, so you need three times as many LEDs, you need three times as many control circuits, and so everything gets quite expensive. So luckily, um, some engineers have come up with a really cute idea, and it's going back to the fluorescence, which you may remember from my moustache. So if you take a blue LED, and you take a special fluorescent substance, um, which glows yellow in the blue, you can get something which is kind of whitish, yeah? Um, and if you put a bit more in, you get kind of a kind of dark, kind of a warmer white color. I don't know if you've bought LEDs and you get some which are kind of cool white and some which are um, warm white. The way they set, set that is by changing the amount of this fluorescence, this phosphor in the front of them. So you put more in and it gets warmer, less, and you get cooler, and it's a slightly more efficient light bulb. Okay. So, just to show you why everyone's telling you that LEDs are a good thing, I need a volunteer who's feeling quite strong, and I'll probably light up, although then I can't see anybody. Um, oh, I think you with the white top over there. Okay, well, you're coming down. Watch out the table here. Good, 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 good. Okay. Can you come over here? Sorry, what's your name? Amber. Amber, okay. So what I've got here is a device called a generator. If you wind the handle, um, you're generating electricity. Okay? So, and if you wind it really, really, really nice and fast, I'm going to turn on some old-fashioned tungsten incandescent light bulbs. So keep winding a bit faster than that. And I've just turned on one. Just about... Lighting one now, and I'll turn on a second. Keep winding harder, harder, harder. And a second one. Oh, a bit faster. I could, and I could go to three and go to four. And it doesn't really work, so I'll go back to one. Okay. Did you notice anything when I turned on the light bulb? It got harder to work, to do, because your, the energy to light these light bulbs is coming from amber. So the more energy the light bulbs use, the harder amber's got to work, okay? So now, I'm going to, you're going to try the same thing, but with some LED light bulbs, okay? So, start winding, I'll turn one on, keep going. And two on, three on, four on. Is that easier? A bit. A bit? She was certainly producing a lot more light. <laughs> you, you, you didn't really get to, unfortunately, you didn't really get to see your, the, you come back at the end and actually see what you were doing. 
Um, thank you very much, Amber. So, because these um, LED light bulbs are maybe 40% efficient, and these at most are maybe 5% efficient, she's probably having to do 10 times as much work to light one light bulb here as here. So, if you have to, certainly if you want to wind the handle, you really want to be using LEDs, not conventional light bulbs. Um, and if you're um, thinking about the amount of energy we're using and environmental issues, saving energy is always a good thing. Um, but just as a, f okay, so, so just to finish off, uh, again, my name's Dave Ansell. Um, in my day job, I basically build demos, so science exhibits and things like that. So if anyone wants any science exhibits building or any science demos building, come and talk to me. Um, we can also come and do shows um, at schools if you're interested in that too. Um, and I have a book which I wrote a few years ago which we have a few of them, which if you'd like to um, buy those are £10 each. Um, and, but for the final demo, I thought I would like to show you how far lighting technology has come in the last three or 4,000 years. So this is a candle. It's possibly a match, though I'm not convinced. It is a candle, and in theory, this is a match. That's better. Which I can light. And when that candle is burning, well, it's producing light. And it's probably using about 30 watts of energy to make that light. This LED, on the other hand, if we can actually turn it on, is using about the same amount of energy, which I think is really quite impressive. Anyway, thank you very much. I, that's interesting. That was great. Thank you. Um, have you. Are you happy to do some questions? I'm happy to do questions. A few minutes. Uh, does anyone have any questions they'd like to ask? Types of light different. Why are the different type, different kind of colours of light? So that's quite a fun. That's quite a deep physics question. Um, one way, so probably on a quite fundamental way, if you look at them as well as, weirdly, as well as arriving in particles, these things called photons, lights have also look a bit like a wave. And if you look at the waves of the different kinds of light, um, the red ones are longer and the blue ones are shorter and vibrate quicker. And because they're vibrating quicker, in some ways they've got more energy. And so we just happen to see things, things which wobble quicker as blue and things which wobble slower as red. Okay. Come from. Where does light come from? That's a really deep question. Again. Um, I'll answer that question generally. Uh, so basically, if you've got something with, a, with energy, particularly little things called electrons, which have got charged and they've got energy and they're wiggling around, they basically kind of make space itself wiggle 
and that wiggling of space is what we see as light. So if you, make, if you give anything energy, if you make it hot, or if you put electricity through certain things, it makes, um, gives them energy, and that can come out again as light. I think you may have to wait a few years before that makes sense. <laughs> Over there. Oh. How old were you when you wanted to do science? Oh, that's a really deep question. Um, I was a kid who always wanted to ask questions. I, always, I, kept, I was one of those really annoying children who you kept saying, why? I don't know if any of you are those kind of children. And I kept asking the question, why? And basically asking the question, why, is what science is all about. And so I kept on answering the question, why, and I never really stopped. Does that make sense? <laughs> and I've got another question. What's your favourite science experiment? Oh, what is my favourite science experiment? <laughs> one really, really, really cute one. If you get um, t um, some vegetable oil and you get a Pyrex bowl, so an oven-proof bowl, and you put the Pyrex bowl in the vegetable oil, it disappears. And it's because the only reason why you can see a see-through thing is because it bends light. And, it's, and it bends light because light goes slower in glass than in air, and so it bends. Happens that light goes the same speed in vegetable oil as in glass, and so it doesn't bend so you can't see it, and it completely disappears. You can really confuse people like that. <laughs> Up at the back. Oh, where are we? Uh, LED... Are LED lights, are, are laser lights more efficient than LED lights? So are LED, LED lights more efficient than LEDs? Oh, lasers. Um, no, most lasers are really quite inefficient, um, but they have, a really they have a really funky property, which means the light doesn't, it, it doesn't spread out very much, or you can focus it almost perfectly. Um, I think some people are working on more efficient lasers now, but up till now, most of them are only kind of 1% or 2% efficient. I think they may be getting better, but I'm not completely up to date on that. Down here at the front. Oh. Why did you choose to study light, not anything else? Why did I choose to study light? I, technically, I chose to study physics, because um, I just really like understanding how the world works. I love being able to look at things and knowing how they work. And on the most fundamental level, physics is, does that. And, and, and understanding light is a big, is a big part of physics. Um, and basically, I just look, like looking at things and working out how they work. And physics was great for that. Just down here on the front row. What job light will come to? What, what will happen in the future of lighting? It will probably, interestingly, it can't get very much better. So not very much more efficient. Because if you've got a light like this, which is 30% efficient, you may be able to get twice, twice as good, which is 60%. You can't get more than 100% efficient. So you can't get that much better. Um, if you want to, certainly if you want to save energy, um, you then have to start looking at only lighting the places where people are and not lighting huge, great buildings where there's no one in them at all. So they're starting to do that a bit. So the lights, sometimes you get in the big kind of big buildings, you walk along and the lights turn on as you walk along with them, which is kind of creepy, but saves a lot of electricity. Um, certainly lasers are getting better, um, and you're getting better lasers. But that's a huge question beyond that. 
And I, I couldn't tell you any more than that, I'm afraid. <laughs> so we'll do the last couple of questions. Next one's up at the back here. What's fire made out of? What is fire made of? Ooh, that's a really good question. So I'm going to narrow that down a bit to what's a flame made of. So here we have a nice flame. And inside the flame, you've got the, the fuel, which is evaporating. And form, you form this gas of fuel. And around the edge of that, that's meeting um, air. And so you've got a fuel gas meeting uh, air, gap, air, and they react together and get really, really hot, and they, and they glow. Something which is really, really cool about flames is if you get a, a grill, maybe something like a metal sieve, and you put it over a flame, and you look inside it, you'll find out that a flame is hollow. Go home and do it. It's deeply cool. I was really <laughs> wowed out about that when I first saw it. Okay, ask the owner of the sieve first, but they're going to say yes, obviously. And with appropriate parental supervision. Oh, that's not. Second row. I think I've heard that some people say that uh, certain uh, light bulbs give them headaches. Um, have you heard that? And if so, do you know why that might be? So certainly the older fluorescent tubes, um, they tend to flash on and off, um, actually about 100 times a second. And some people's brains don't like flashing lights at 100 times a second. I think, I don't know if it's true, but also some of the things with the, if the, the very, very kind of line-based spectra. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that has any effect on people, but certainly it makes colours look weird. And it, it can make some people say that it's harder work to work under fluorescence. I don't know if that's the colour the thing or the flashing. So very modern fluorescence are much, they have better electronics and they'll produce a much more constant light. Well, they'll flash so fast, you've got no chance of noticing it. But 1,500 hertz, you might, that might be an issue. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Um, if you still have questions, you are welcome to come and ask Dave, um, although I think he'll be <laughs> trying to pack up quite quickly. Uh, thank you very much for coming uh, today. We hope you've enjoyed the Science Festival and continue to enjoy it for the next week. Um, and one more round of applause for Dave, please. Happy myself. If anyone's interested in a book of experiments, I've got some here too. And I can answer questions at the front, though I might get in trouble. <laughs>